Section 15 of Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. Chapter 15. Adventure on the Prairie. I borrow a horse without leave. Rapid traveling one whole night. Apology for using other men's horses. My manner of living on the road. Early in the morning, I left the Indian Territory, as I have already said, for fear I might be pursued by the three white men whom I had seen there overnight. But I had not proceeded far before my fears were magnified a hundredfold. I always dreaded to pass through a prairie, and on coming to one which was about six miles in width, I was careful to look in every direction to see whether there was any person in sight before I entered it. But I could see no one. So I started across with a hope of crossing without coming in contact with anyone on the prairie. I walked as fast as I could, but when I got about midway of the prairie, I came to a high spot where the road forked, and three men came up from a low spot as if they had been there concealed. They were all on horseback, and I supposed them to be the same men that had tried to get lodging where I stopped overnight. Had this been in timbered land, I might have stood some chance to have dodged them. But there I was, out in the open prairie, where I could see no possible way by which I could escape. They came along slowly up behind me and finally passed, and spoke or bowed their heads on passing, but they traveled in a slow walk, and kept but a very few steps before me, until we got nearly across the prairie. When we were coming near a plantation, a piece off from the road on the skirt of the timbered land, they whipped up their horses and left the road as if they were going across to this plantation. They soon got out of my sight by going down into a valley which lay between us and the plantation. Not seeing them rise the hill to go up to the farm, excited greater suspicion in my mind, so I stepped over on the brow of the hill where I could see what they were doing, and to my surprise I saw them going right back in the direction they had just came, and they were going very fast. I was then satisfied that they were after me, and that they were only going back to get more help to assist them in taking me, for fear that I might kill some of them if they undertook it. The first impression was that I had better leave the road immediately. So I bolted from the road and ran as fast as I could for some distance in the thick forest, and concealed myself for about fifteen or twenty minutes, which were spent in prayer to God for his protecting care and guidance. My impression was that when they should start in pursuit of me again, they would follow on in the direction which I was going when they left me, and not finding or hearing of me on the road, they would come back and hunt through the woods around, and if they could find no track, they might go and get dogs to trace me out. I thought my chance of escape would be better if I went back to the same side of the road that they first went, for the purpose of deceiving them, as I supposed that they would not suspect my going in the same direction that they went, for the purpose of escaping from them. So I traveled all that day square off from the road through the wild forest without any knowledge of the country whatever, for I had nothing to travel by but the sun by day and the moon and stars by night. Just before night, 
I came in sight of a large plantation, where I saw quite a number of horses running at large in a field, and knowing that my success in escaping depended upon my getting out of that settlement within twenty-four hours, to save myself from everlasting slavery, I thought I should be justified in riding one of those horses, that night, if I could catch one. I cut a grapevine with my knife, and made it into a bridle, and shortly after dark I went into the field and tried to catch one of the horses. I got a bunch of dry blades of fodder and walked up softly towards the horses, calling to them, Cope! 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 But there was only one out of the number that I was able to get my hand on, and that was an old mare, which I supposed to be the mother of all the rest, and I knew that I could walk faster than she could travel. She had a bell on, and was very thin in flesh. She looked gentle, and walked on three legs only. The young horses pranced and galloped off. I was not able to get near them, and the old mare being of no use to me, I left them all. After fixing my eyes on the North Star, I pursued my journey, holding on to my bridle with a hope of finding a horse upon which I might ride that night. I found a road leading pretty nearly in the direction which I wanted to travel, and I kept it. After traveling several miles I found another large plantation where there was a prospect of finding a horse. I stepped up to the barnyard, wherein I found several horses. There was a little barn standing with the door open, and I found it quite an easy task to get the horses into the barn, and select out the best-looking one of them. I pulled down the fence, led the noble beast out, and mounted him, taking a northern direction, being able to find a road which led that way but I had not gone over three or four miles before I came to a large stream of water which was past fording. Yet I could see that it had been forded by the road track, but from high water it was then impassable. As the horse seemed willing to go in, I put him through, but before he got in far, he was in water up to his sides, and finally the water came over his back, and he swam over. I got as wet as could be, but the horse carried me safely across at the proper place. After I got out a mile or so from the river, I came into a large prairie, which I think must have been twenty or thirty miles in width, and the road run across it about in the direction that I wanted to go. I laid whip to the horse, and I think he must have carried me not less than forty miles that night, or before sunrise the next morning. I then stopped him in a spot of high grass in an old field, and took off the bridle, I thanked God and thanked the horse for what he had done for me, and wished him a safe journey back home. I know the poor horse must have felt stiff and tired from his speedy jaunt, and I felt very bad myself, riding at that rate all night without a saddle. But I felt as if I had too much at stake to favor either horse-flesh or man-flesh. I could indeed afford to crucify my own flesh for the sake of redeeming myself from perpetual slavery." Some may be disposed to find fault with my taking the horse as I did, but I did nothing more than nine out of ten would do if they were placed in the same circumstances. I had no disposition to steal a horse from any man, but I ask, if a white man had been captured by the Cherokee Indians and carried away from his family for life into slavery, and could see a chance to escape and get back to his family, should the Indians pursue him with a determination to take him back or take his life? Would it be a crime for the poor fugitive, whose life, liberty, and future happiness were all at stake, to mount any man's horse by the wayside, 
and ride him without asking any questions to effect his escape? Or who would not do the same thing to rescue a wife, child, father, or mother? Such an act committed by a white man under the same circumstances would not only be pronounced proper, but praiseworthy, and if he neglected to avail himself of such a means of escape, he would be pronounced a fool. Therefore, from this act I have nothing to regret, for I have done nothing more than any other reasonable person would have done under the same circumstances. But I had good luck from the morning I left the horse until I got back into the state of Ohio. About two miles from where I left the horse, I found a public house on the road where I stopped and took breakfast. Being asked where I was traveling, I replied that I was going home to Perrysburg, Ohio, and that I had been out to look at the land in Missouri with a view of buying. They supposed me to be a native of Ohio from the fact of my being so well acquainted with its location, its principal cities, inhabitants, etc. The next night I put up at one of the best hotels in the village where I stopped, and acted with as much independence as if I was worth a million of dollars talked about buying land, stock, and village property, and contrasting it with the same kind of property in the state of Ohio. In this kind of talk they were most generally interested, and I was treated just like other travelers. I made it a point to travel about thirty miles each day on my way to Jefferson City. On several occasions I have asked the landlords where I have stopped overnight if they could tell me who kept the best house where I would stop the next night, which was most generally in a small village. But for fear I might forget, I would get them to give me the name on a piece of paper as a kind of recommend. This would serve as an introduction through which I have always been well received from one landlord to another, and I have always stopped at the best houses, eaten at the best tables, and slept in the best beds. No man ever asked me whether I was bond or free, black or white, rich or poor. But I always presented a bold front, and showed the best side out, which was all the pass I had. But when I got within about one hundred miles of Jefferson City, where I expected to take a steamboat passage to St. Louis, I stopped overnight at a hotel, where I met with a young white man who was traveling on to Jefferson City on horseback and was also leading a horse with a saddle and bridle on. I asked him if he would let me ride the horse which he was leading, as I was going to the same city. He said that it was a hired horse, that he was paying at the rate of fifty cents per day for it, but if I would pay the same, I could ride him. I accepted the offer, and we rode together to the city. We were on the road together two or three days, stopped and ate and slept together at the same hotels. End of chapter 15. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.